News Talk On Demand. Interruption-free audio, where you want it, when you want it. Good, very cold Sunday morning. <laughs> very cold. So yeah, we're uh, we're it's uh, going to be fairly cold for the n- this next week. So uh, you know what? Just today, just uh, sit back, grab your cup of coffee or hot chocolate or a nice tea, <laughs> and just sit back and relax because uh, we're going to be talking about some some different plants and and uh, and things you have in the house and some of the things you can be preparing for. Uh, give us a call here at one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. You can do that by either calling us here. Live, or you can even text us with the same number, one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Jill, my daughter, she's joined us here, and uh, we love to talk to you. We don't, we talk to each other every day, so we, we'd rather <laughs> talk to you today. It's uh, it's uh, every, anything about your gar- your your what you may be even dreaming of. You know what what we got coming up here, Jill? What do we got coming up on? I think it's on t- Tuesday, Tuesday is winter solstice. Yeah. So that means that that is the shortest day of the year. So that is an exciting time for us because we are dreaming of warmer days ahead um, and longer sunlight hours and everything like that. So after the twenty first of December, nine o'clock. I think it's around nine o'clock in the morning. That's the that's the time when everything tips over and now the days get longer. Oh, it's an exciting time, and we're starting our. I know lots of people have picked up maybe a gardening journal as a Christmas gift and for somebody and they're starting to journal and dream about what they can do in their yard and pick up seed packages and start to sort things and get excited about the spring season ahead. Well, it's, it's less than a month away and your seed catalogs are going to start showing up in your mailboxes or so, uh, on your e-boxes or whatever you have. I so. think January, January 15th is usually our first seed starting date um, when we're starting to seed some of our perennials and some of our um, even some of our longer, longer growing um, vegetables, those types of Begonia things, bulbs. annuals, begonia bulbs will be coming in. Yep. Um, so there's lots of different gardening things. And if you have any um, gift ideas for the gardener, text those in to us today. I know lots of people are looking for that hard to buy for person that in, last in minute your life. Gift. Last minute gift idea. What do I get mom? Or what do I get dad? What do I get? That's the hardest them? thing. Yeah. It, it's right? hard. They have thing. all the gadgets. They have all the things. But they don't need all the other so sometimes maybe Stuff. getting them a unique plant for their house yep. or um, a gift certificate so that they can spend some time in their yard this this season. Um, or I know everybody's liking to go more organic and in, in like more, yeah. you know, try to go non, non-pesticide. Well, then the best way to do that is attract birds. So uh, any kind of a bird bath water feature, okay, little wren houses, okay. Um, in my other acreage, um, we never had, never sprayed for forever, like over 10 years. And that's because all these little chickadees and little wrens, where you could just see them all day long, jumping between the branches and, and keeping that ecosystem balanced. There's some bugs, but the, the birds were taking care of the other ones. And the biggest attractor for birds is having a water feature. And you have to have that right away in the spring so they know there's water there and they'll make their nest close by. And there's different ways we can have water features in the wintertime by putting heaters in them and um, making sure there's like a little pump that can keep the water moving and yep. all of there's that. Bird too. baths with heaters, all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, because, you know, even, even your, in your lawns, if you've got sod webworms or cutworms in the garden, attracting robins which they love water if you put a bird bath you'll have you'll have uh, robins around 
like crazy. They just love to have water around. They want a source of water. And so then you'll take care of a lot of those type of insects just by attracting different birds. Now, good birds, bad birds. So if I want to keep the little birds in there, how about those big crows? How do I keep those oh, away? Oh, just make sure the whole, the whole size. The whole you got to make sure the whole size has to be smaller just for those little birds. You don't want, yeah, you don't want the, the other bigger birds being there. So, but, um, but otherwise, yeah, just, and it protects them too. Those little holes, the other big birds can't get into them. So there's some bird birding things that are going on around the city. Bird watching is a big thing and um, just birding in general is becoming a bigger thing. So I'm not sure if we have time to talk about that this segment or the next one. Yeah, well, you know what, um, um, what we have going on too is right today actually is if you want to get out there and, you know, brave the cold, you know, get out there and you, you can do that in your own yard too because if you go to the uh, SAS Nature Society, they have, and you look, you can click on the spot where it has bird counts, uh, Christmas bird counts. And, uh, you can do that right in your own backyard as long as you're in this little circle. And then you can actually fill it out online. So just go on, on the computer to, uh, Sask- Saskatchewan Nature Society and you can click on the different areas like today, uh, Clark's Clark Crossing. So then that means, uh, Martinsville, Warman, Osler area from nine to five today and it was yesterday as well, but you can have a spot in online that you can fill in the different birds you can see in your area or they have areas which you can go to. Copel Valley Dam and Elbow is actually today as well. And so there again, you want you count the in your different area, it might be right in your town or in your, in your block you have or in your, just in your backyard by looking out the window, you can fill that out. Um, so these are just different ways that we can get involved get so involved. that we can get some information together and collaborate with the information yep. and sort of see what's out there in nature, what types of birds we're seeing in our yards, and do some counts so that we can sort of figure out where the status of some of these, uh, the quantity yep. of the birds in the areas are. Great, great for the kids. I mean, even my parents, they're 91 years old, and they just sit out the window, and they just love to count and, and watch different birds at the bird feeder and those kind of things. So Saskatoon is December 27th. Pike Lake Whitecap is January 31st as well. So the, and there's other ponds all around Saskatchewan. Just so just check out your your different nature societies, and uh, they'll give you the guidance of where you can watch, how you can watch, what you look for, and what the information you fill in to yeah, be able to help. Go to the them. library and get some great books and resources yep. too, with all the different types of birds and the colors of them. I know that would be a fun thing to do with the kids. They would just love to look through the binoculars, especially out of the cabin and. Yep. And just try and find all the different birds. And there's some great books out there too. That might be a, a thing that you want to get somebody. At the, I know that um, um, uh, the late uh, Rob Roy, I think he from the Nature Society, he produced a book, and it's so. I mean, that he was just um, he just knew so much about birds. But I mean, they produce a book that you can get birds. I think it's called Birds of Saskatchewan, and and uh, so you can. It just tells you every single kind of bird that, that you could see in the province of Saskatchewan. One of the things when he was on the show with me a few years back, um, he came in and he actually mentioned that there's a bunch of apps that you can get on different bird sounds and all the songs that they sing. And it was just amazing to hear that he could actually mimic all the different bird sounds as well, too. <laughs> and he would do that on air with us. And um, that man, he knew so much and is greatly missed in the, yeah. in the bird community. Yes. So give us a call at one 332 8255 and you can either give us, like I said, give us a call or give us a text. We'd like to hear from you. Um, one thing about this cold weather, uh, people are going to be traveling around. Um, Jill is, you know, going to see family and friends and everything else. So just make sure in this cold weather that you're prepared. Uh, the other day we had your ringette team over at our place and all these girls that were on a U16, right? So they were over and... Um, 
and the girls didn't have any any jackets. A lot of them didn't have any jackets or anything. I'm going, <laughs> Teenagers. Really? really? Okay, so just make sure that, you know, your kids are, are wrapped up for good and uh, make sure that, you know, because you never know what could happen, a flat tire, anything, you know, anything could happen out there. And uh, just make sure that you're dressed warm and uh, and have those extra little things, you know, whether it be a little shovel in the back or whether it be some extra pair of mitts or boots or, you know, uh, the extra bunny hug in your vehicle or whatever just to keep yourself a little bit warm some little little hot shot things that you can put in your hand to keep you warm and so um uh just make sure and your cell phone is charged up as well so just make sure you're keeping everything good that way and then when we're talking about keeping us warm as well just we have to remember that if we're hauling plants or back and forth that that just like we need a winter parka plants actually are a little bit more sensitive than our skin is and so it's important that we're um, covering them up and keeping them warm Um, rule of thumb that thumb that we use at the garden center is if it's sort of one two three degrees we put a layer of paper on them and then if it goes below about minus five, we actually put um, plastic on them so that we have uh, sort of a, a barrier where we can have some air between the paper and plastic and also block out some of the wind too. So it's it's really important that we it, put that extra layer on It only on takes that time from the car, to the, from the store to the car. I caught one person out there leaving Costco when the point said they're going to just go right out with the cart and uh, this kind of weather, that's all it would take. So it just makes sure. And usually sure. you'll give that gift or that point set it to somebody and it's going to look good for about 24 to 48 hours <laughs> yep, and, then, and then it will turn black and that you won't be so happy with that gift anymore. So we'll talk a little bit more about wrapping your plants. So anyways, uh, join us here at one 877 we're going to take a break right now and, and talk, have your calls right after the break. This, I'm Rick Van Dominic and Jill Van Dominic on 650 CQM and 980 CJME. Good morning and welcome to Garden Talk. Uh, hopefully during that break you were, uh, getting, got up and just checked that Christmas tree to make sure there's still water in there. I checked mine last night and it was down It was down about halfway, so I gave her a nice good fill up again because you, if it dries out just once, then it'll stop sucking water. So just make sure that you've done that check of, of your of your uh, of your plants and uh, of your of your Christmas tree, and uh, then we'll talk about watering those house plants too. How to take care of that? Give us a call at one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. You can either give us a call or a text at one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Just like Julie in Battleford, uh, she knew we we're talking about uh, bird bass and how to attract birds. But how do she says? How do I keep the cats from getting fat hunting the birds at the bird bath? Oh, it's a problem. Well, one of the things that you can do is keeping those bird baths maybe in a more open area, at least yes. 10 feet away from shrubbery. Then those birds can sort of see those cats coming yep. and they can have time to fly up in the air. Yep. Um, Don't put them right underneath your shrubs or your trees and those kind of things. Then the cats can cats, kind of easily yep. hunt. So yep. that's one little trick. Yeah, just just far enough away. So good mm-hmm. open area. Yeah, and, and your bird feeders, having them up on a on a pole a or... shepherd's hook or something like that. in a tree, something where the cats can't get up at yep. them is a good idea. But like you were saying a lot of time the seed falls down on the and ground. then on the ground and then the birds they go and they uh they go onto the ground and then so, the cats get at them so yeah keeping those bird feeders away from shrubbery yeah. that definitely helps. or put a tiny little fence around them so that the you know the cats can't quite get there that quickly you know yeah, or or, or there's also bird uh seed catchers too that you can put underneath your feeders yeah that's and true. they're uh, almost like little, little trays little that trays catch. with like a mesh and it catches a lot of the extra seeds so the birds aren't you know going down to the ground, and then it also keeps, you know, your yard cleaner too. Mm -hmm. 
So, so give us a call at one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five, and that's either by the by the text line or the calls, just like uh, just like Julie did here in Battleford. Now, um, one thing we've had too is that I've noticed in my in my acreage is that um, with it being cold now, the deer have been coming more frequently to the yard, and um, so because they're hungry. And when it's this cold, they, they, the more food they eat, the more warm they'll keep. So, uh, so just making sure that, you know, you got those cedars and junipers, especially cedars. Deer love cedars. Um, you remember at the lake, Jill? Putting a snow fence up around, <laughs> them. We had, around them. We had topiary cedars for many years yeah. from the elk too. So they were yeah. actually trimmed quite high up. Oh, and, yes. Um, they get up on their and, hind legs and they trim right up. So we had topiary cedars. You and my uncles would go around and we put the, the every beautiful, fall. every fall, put the beautiful snow fence up <laughs> around the cedars so that they could start getting some new growth again. Yeah, that's, that's right. So uh, doing anything like that, even my junipers laying on the ground uh, because they were digging through the snow, a little bit of snow that's there. So I just laid the snow fence right flat on the ground, right over top of them and just, and then tied them down the edges so it wouldn't blow away. And uh, so that helped a lot too. So, um, and my mugle pines, they love mugle pines. <laughs> Oh, two years ago, they, they, they ate them just to the nubs. I mean, there was no needles at all. So they're coming back now, but you have to keep that fence around them to give them a chance. Otherwise, if it's two years in a row, then, um, or three years in a row, whatever, then it's probably not going to make come back again. So a permanent topiary. Uh, permanent topiary. So, um, just make sure that you, you protect those plants from that. Now, uh, Jill, everybody's been, um, um, we talked about uh, taking those plants home and keeping them warm. So um, when you're when you're wrapping them up, uh, some people I know in, in, in when they're at the store, they're always concerned that okay, you're wrapping them up so tight, you're going to break all the branches or something like that. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. And one of the things that you have to remember is the plants they have sort of hinges in their in their branches and they bend certain ways. So when you're folding your plants up or putting them into the arrangement, we're usually setting them in quite a tight sleeve, and a tight sleeve actually keeps that plant actually safer than a loose one because it's keeping those branches nice and tight so that if it moves around in your car, it's not going to be breaking those branches off. But when you put them, you you put them in the branches so the branches fold upwards on the plant. If you have the branches fold downwards, that's what's going to snap those branches off. Normally you'll see in the floor shops and the garden centers, they have a little pole and they have some sleeves and then they set the plant on top of the the little pole inside with the sleeves over top and then they just slide them up over top and all the branches are going upward. And if you actually opened up one of the semis where we get our plants in from Florida, we do something called a California stack. And what that is, is we sleeve all the plants very tight. And sometimes you can have almost like a 60-foot fiddly fig that is almost less than a foot around. Yep. And um, we stack them up and we pack them in tight so that they're just stacked right on top of each other. And that's how they arrive from from those places to get as many of them in. But and the important thing now, Jill, okay, so yes. you have that, that paper sleeve and you got that plastic over top of them. Yes. How do you take them out of them so you don't damage the yeah, plants. Yeah, so when we take them out of the and you'll notice this when we're unwrapping our plants is we don't just we don't just pull them out because remember I said that the branches will snap off if you pull the branches the wrong way. Yep. Um, so it's important that you rip the paper from the bottom up. So and this is not a save time. This, well, you can save the paper if you want to and put it into the recycling yeah. bin, <laughs> but I usually will make a little slit or cut with a pair of scissors yep. or rip the bottom and then um, and then pull it out that way or, or, um, take it, take it off so that you're not necessarily saving that paper so you can rewrap that plant a yep, little bit later. Exactly. Um, and then you can, you can do that. Now, if you are maybe you got a plant from a florist shop and you've ripped that paper off because you needed to save it for a few days in your home and now you're taking it to mom's house or yep. grandma's house, um, you can do the same thing. 
except for don't put just a plastic bag over top of it. What I would do is just take a light sheet or a blanket, wrap it with that first, and then put a garbage bag around it, and then haul it to Grandma's house. It's just way too cold yep. right now just to just do the plastic. Okay, we got Les here in Cumming, Saskatchewan. Good morning, Les. How are you today? Good morning, Rick, and that's Corning. 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 Oh, yeah, here we go. <laughs> little town of Corning. Corning. Where's Corning? Uh, kind of between Estevan and Kipling. Oh, you're way down south. How, you got snow there? Uh, very little. Very little. Yes, yes. <laughs> what I'm calling about, I'm always interested in these Christmas cactuses. And last year after our plant was done uh, blooming, I tried to take just one of the little nubs off the end of the plant and put it in dirt and say, wish you luck, and watered it and grow. It died. Now, what am I doing wrong? Should I be taking more than one of them nubs and putting it in the cactus soil? And how wet do I keep the soil, and do I fertilize yet? So there's a few things that you can do with your Christmas cactuses when you're taking cuttings off them. So take one of the little nubs off, like you know how they have the little um, divisions in the, and, and in if the you have stem. A, if you have a four or six inch pot, put multiple nubs in it yeah. too. Yeah, you can do it. You can do it a few ways. Um, the first way they are a type of succulent, so I usually take them off first, and I will let them callus over. So setting them on a on a windowsill or something like that, just for a day or two, and letting that sort of callus over a little bit after you cut it. And then you can do it a few ways. You can um, suspend them a little bit over in a small vase over some water and they'll start getting some roots on them. Or you can put them into some soil. So not sticking them in the water. I'm not suspending, sticking, it. suspending okay. it over the water. Okay. So sometimes even just taking a little bit of saran wrap, putting it over top of the water. Or if you have a small enough container, like almost like a vial, sticking them in there so that the water is just underneath it. And that moisture will just help get them, get them going. The other way you can do it is stick them right into the soil. And it's important that you don't keep the soil too, too wet, like sopping wet, but it does need to be moist enough so that they start to root a little bit. Um, oh. And then usually you'll probably get about, if you do them in the soil, I would say about 80% germination rate on them. So if you if you want to try a few different ones, you can, you can definitely do that. So try that out and uh, see if that works for you. You don't oh. need to start fertilizing them or anything like that until you, until you get like a really healthy root system on them. That well, how deep do I push on into the soil when I they do don't the need soil to be very well. deep at all, just enough to sort of have that bottom part of the the. Just so um, they'll stand up. Yeah, just so they're standing up, just so the bottom part is in the soil. Okay. okay. Well, I'll try that after it's done blooming here again, and uh, I wish you both a merry Christmas. Yes, you merry as Christmas, well. Les. Merry Christmas. Yes. Uh, so yeah, there's lots of different ways of. of having fun with your plants this time of the year and propagating and, and pruning them and all those kind of things. So, um, you know what, we're going to be taking a break right now to the news break. So I want you to all, uh, just get your cup of coffee and check your Christmas tree and join us here right after the break. I'm Rick Van Damenek and Jill Van Damenek. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CQM and 980 CJME. Good morning and welcome to Garden Talk. Uh, you're listening to Rick and Jill Van Damenek. I'd like you to join us here at either by calling us or texting us and one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. So you can either call or text the same number one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Now we we talked about uh, wrapping the plants, not unwrap them. Now um, people, we had a call about somebody that uh, that um, had hibiscus, mm. and they said their hibiscus leaves were cupping down. 
Okay. Okay, but the new leaves at the bottom were fine. It's only the top, uh, sorry, the older leaves at the bottom were fine, nice and green, everything else. But the newer growth at the top, they were all cupping down. So we see this a lot in especially our seasonal plants that require lots of high light um, light in the summer season. And, and hibiscus and like lots of light. And they're usually out on our patios and we bring them into the house and there's a few things that are adjusting with that plant. And remember, it's almost like we've taken that plant out of its natural habitat and we're reacclimatizing it. So um, it could be a light issue, um, but most of the time it actually has to do with water. And um, one of the things that you'll know on leaves of a plant, they have these little pores and they're called stomas. And these stomas are pores that the plants use to release gases and moisture out of them. And when the plant is having stress in its roots or it's getting too much water or too little water, it will start closing those pores up to stop transpiring. Transpiring. Thank you. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, To stop transpiring. And and so that's when you start seeing the the curling of the leaves and sort of the the surface area changing on these leaves and them adjusting. So um, that's something that you will start noticing as a sign of the plant talking to you. Now it's important to watch those signs so that you can adjust um, those things. And there's different ways you can check your plant for water. Um, One of them is by sticking your finger into the soil. Okay, sticking the finger in. Yes. So you want to stick it in at least up to your first or second knuckle, depending on how big the pot is. If your pot is quite large, I would even go about two to three inches down in the pot. Take your index finger. Yep. It's right down to the right down to the far knuckle. Exactly. Right. And if you feel any moisture in there, uh, leave your plant alone. If it's dry to the touch down there, then it's time to water. The other way you can do it is by sticking maybe a popsicle stick or um, some sort of piece of wood down there, and it will actually absorb some of the moisture, and you can actually feel how moist it is down there. Using a moisture meter is another way. And the other way is picking the plant up if it's a smaller plant or even my poinsettias I will do this with, and feeling the weight of the plant. If you pick it up and you hit yourself in the head, that means it's too dry <laughs> it's probably, too right? too dry. <laughs> um, and now a lot of things we'll find is uh, overwater or underwatering plants, it affects the roots of the plants. So um, those roots, if something is oversaturated, it can't get any um, air to the roots and that will cause the roots to rot. And then if there's not enough water, the roots will be starved and all the soil will be taking all the moisture away from the plant as well too. So making sure that if we have a pot, especially you can plant in pots without holes in them, but you just got to make sure you don't have that root rot in the bottom. So So how do you do, how do you, if you don't have a a pot without no holes, can no drainage obviously. Yes. What do you need to do for the bottom of that pot? Well, there's a few things when I'm planting it. I will put a layer of rock and then put a layer of charcoal in before I put my soil in. And that charcoal just sort of helps maintain um, that bacteria growth and helps absorb some of that extra moisture and helps with that. Because you do that with terrariums and that kind of stuff as well because exactly. that's just a glass, right? So you Exactly. Have to, yeah. And then put your soil in. But it's really important then that you're using a moisture meter to get right down to the bottom of the pot because although that top of the soil, because there is no drainage hole in the bottom, there might be quite a bit of water still in the bottom the of that bottom. pot. Yes. Yeah, so it's important. Yeah, if you have trouble, maybe you've overwatered a plant, and you're like, oh no, what do I do? Um, you can take a, even a pencil and poke little air holes in around the edge of the pot just to get some air down there so that some of the um, moisture can release out of the pot. That will definitely help. Um, if it's in a plastic pot, taking that plant right out of the pot and letting it just sit maybe on a plastic bag for a couple days or a couple hours until that soil can feel a little bit dry. So it's easier to water a dry plant than it is to 
wring out the water in a really wet plant. So um, while you're getting used to it, just sort of keep those little watering tips in mind. The other thing is the humidity in our house is very um, low right now. So um, we may want to add a pebble tray, group our plants Okay, what's a pebble tray though? A pebble tray is when you have maybe a saucer or a pot or a bucket of water um, and uh, nearby are plants that can evaporate around. And what we usually do with plants to make it look a little bit more pretty is we will put a tray or your water catcher that's under your tray that's catching the water under your plant and we'll put some pebbles on it. Some little rocks. Some rocks and um, fill that with water um, just enough so that the plant is sitting on top of the rocks, not not in in the the water. water. And then the water can evaporate around your plant. So don't forget Give us a call at one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. We want to hear about all the things going on in, in your home during this winter, and uh, whether it be your poinsettia, what do I do with it, or Christmas cactus, or or maybe you have this other plant that's in your yard in your house that maybe is getting brown tips or anything like that. Give us a call, ask us a question, um, and uh, here, just like here, we have here uh, Lynn from North Battleford. I have a climbing pink jasmine plant. Do I fertilizer? Do I fertilize it or, and with what? And just have a Merry Christmas. Climbing pink jasmine plants are so beautiful and I love the fragrance of jasmine. Jasmine has picked up some some speed and some trends in gardening and people are coming in to grab them. Um, jasmine in the wintertime, it uh, doesn't need as much fertilizer as you would in the summer because it won't be actively growing in your house unless you maybe have some uh, grow lights on it. Um, so making sure that you have a nice, near a nice bright window is really important and you can fertilize it maybe once a month with just uh, a Schultz um, plant fertilizer or if you're using a 20-20-20, make sure you're following the house plant directions on the outside of the container, not the, the gardening when it's outdoors because um, that will be too too strong of a strength for you so the house plant once maybe about once a month um, or you can wait um, until the season starts picking up and we start getting a little bit more daylight hours maybe around the end of february and then start increasing your watering and fertilizer on now, that one um lynn talked about the the jasmine for fertilizing how about the other plants because people always wonder about that how do i fertilize is there any plants are they all the same do i fertilize them all the same how often so in the winter time in Saskatchewan, our plants are not actively growing. We just do not have enough daylight hours unless yep. you are putting that supplement light on them. So um, usually you're you're fertilizing them every time you water. Um, I would probably change that to maybe about once a month in the winter time. Uh, that's sufficient for them. Your succulents and cactus, I do not fertilize them in the winter time at all. Uh, because we do not have enough light, you'll get that new growth, but that new growth is going to start stretching on you if you're fertilizing um, them too much, and uh, you'll just sort of have a not-so-pretty-looking succulent plant. What about just putting some alfalfa pellets on top of the soil? Uh, we do that in the wintertime in our greenhouses all the time yep. because it's just a very um, natural way to fertilize and it will absorb into the soil over time as you're watering on top of the soil. So that's, so, so that's getting a bit of fertilizer each time you water. Is that yeah, okay? Yeah, that's perfect. And it's a very slow, slow, slow release um, fertilizer. So that just gives them a little bit extra nutrients, yep. but not too much. So the alpha pellets are kind of perfect. For and then it has well. all those other micronutrients in it too, which exactly. you don't get from a 20-20-20. You just get basically, you know, your regular type of fertilizer. So I see Jim and Warman has sent an email, but the message didn't come. It just says Jim and Warman. So you can give us another text, Jim, and uh, we'll be able to answer your question there. So give us a call at one 332 Now, um, uh, spider mite in the house. 
we're going to start with that, but we're going to finish it off after the break here. But spider mite here, uh, we've had some issues with that. And uh, you mentioned earlier in the show we should talk about where to put them. Maybe you have a Christmas tree. Do you put your plants next to the Christmas tree? Well, a lot of times I'll see people having trouble with spider mite after Christmas season. And there's a few things. Our houses are dry, so you'll start to see spider mite is attracted to um, plants that maybe aren't getting enough humidity, like your um your English ivy, but also Christmas trees are evergreens that came from the outdoors and so they probably have spider mite and scale and all, all different bugs on them. And then when you warm them up and put them in your house, some of those bugs will start coming alive again and looking for a, a host or an active home so to live Make sure on. you so, isolate them over to a different yeah, part. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily put my plants right next to my Christmas tree or um, Christmas wreath or anything so like that. So we'll talk about how to take care of those kind of ones mm-hmm. after the break. Uh, you're listening to Rick Van Dominick and Jill Van Dominick and on Garden Talk on 650 CQM and 980 CJME. Good morning and welcome to Garden Talk. Uh, give us a call at one 877 That's on the phone or text. We're going to go right away to the phone calls. We've got a couple calls waiting here. We've got Cindy from Regina. Good morning, Cindy. Merry Christmas. Good morning. Merry Christmas to you too and your wife. Thank you. I'm, um, I can't remember your wife's name, but my wife, anyway. Yeah, my wife is Kim and my daughter Jill is here with us as well. Oh, okay. So there's the three of you. Okay, well, that's good. <laughs> I'm calling because um, it's kind of a, it's not really related to Christmas, but it, um, it's, my mom had these four o'clock seeds, mm-hmm. and she loved four o'clocks, and she passed away in 1988, so it's been quite a while, no, 1998, sorry, and uh, anyways, I'm trying to, I've been trying over the years to get these four o'clocks to, to, to grow, and I just heard your show this morning, it's Christmas, it makes me think of her, and I was thinking... God, I wish I could get these four o'clock seeds going. Or do you think that they're too old? I've tried everything. I've put them in between paper, wet paper towels. I've you know, tried to get them to germinate. Yeah, if you've done the wet paper towel, you've done the germination tests, they're probably not a viable seed anymore if you kept them for that long. So you may, well, want, to just, you may want to pick up some other four o'clock seeds and just start again, okay? Uh, but that would be more viable seed. But yeah, if you've done your germination test, which put them into paper towel, and okay. they and they're just not germinating at all. Though they're probably not viable seeds anymore. They probably got so they too do. too dry yeah, or, they, yeah, something happened to them. But one of the okay. things when you're germinating seeds, and a lot of people don't know this, but the most one of the most important things is having that that soil temperature nice and high. So yeah. putting a heat mat or having that soil temperature high, and also having quite high humidity in your seed tray until you start seeing germination is really important. Now, what too. you can to try is also just hydrate those seeds just in just in a, a little dish of water. As well, just even for if you do that for an hour or so, just try to hydrate them. Okay, uh, but so most likely, most likely, like I said, if you've done the germinate test through some moist uh, paper towel, um, most likely that they're they're um, they're they've gone past where they're they're viable anymore. Okay, but you think I could just put them in some water just just to see if there's any life just, left in them? Or, just to never... just to hydrate them for about an hour and then put them into the paper towel again. Okay. Okay, so you dehydrate them. No, you're just hydrating. You're trying to get one moisture oh, into. Yeah, yeah, hyd- I'm, I'm, try- I'm sorry. I'm yep. I hydrate them. Hydrate them just so that, and then take them for yeah. about an hour in the, in, the, in the water, then put them yeah. into that paper towel again and see if you get any germination that way. Yeah, because I really want to get try to get these ones going if I can, because okay. they were hers, you know. Yes. But if not, I'll have to just get 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 the plant and then yeah. start from there. And then you start from All right. Okay. And I love that these gardening traditions and these, these um, sort of nostalgic feelings from the different types of flowers are being 
carried on through generation, generation four clocks are beautiful flowers. And I, I'm seeing that through trends in gardening, that some of the things that my grandmother loved, I'm also in yes. turn starting to love as well too. So thank you for that. Yes. Have a Merry Christmas. She did. They Merry Christmas. Flowers, so. Yep. Okay. Well, thank you very okay. much. And you guys have a nice Christmas. You too. We have Sharon and Sof Current. We're going to go to here. Good morning, Sharon. Good morning. Good morning, Rick and Jill. Uh, Rick, I have I've had a Christmas cactus for about fifteen years, yes. and it uh, I think I've moved it into probably once into a larger pot, and I'm just wondering if maybe it needs another pot change or maybe soil change because um, I brought it up from downstairs in the fall hoping that it might uh, flower, you know, around Christmas time, but it hasn't really done anything. So do you have any hints? Just bright bright light, one thing, in that when you're... Uh, yes, it is. Yep. So one thing you can do is when you're, when you're coming at the time when it normally would bloom, uh, you, you can add just a, just a hint more moisture, okay, when you're watering. And that'll be oh. that'll be triggered like it like it would be in the desert or where where originated from in the in the tro- where it came from is that sometimes you get a rainy season and then you just get a little bit more rain than normal and then that triggers yeah. them to bloom. Okay, so oh, I see. and then also using okay. just a, a fertilizer like a cactus fertilizer for the Christmas cactus as well. For sure, uh, and thank you. And, and I have this amaryllis. Uh, I haven't had it all that long, but anyway, it's about six inches tall. But um, I want to make sure that uh, uh, I think I think the biggest thing with me is uh, to hesitate to overwater it. And uh, I just wondered what the test is. It's about six inches tall, and you know, by golly, it's got um, the two the two outside tubers or whatever that that are are, are going to make the flowers yep. on the outside. And between those two stalks or stems, they there are. Um, seven other leaves i was just totally amazed yeah so so just a matter of it sounds like you're watering it adequate if you're getting yep. nice beautiful leaves on it so just doing the finger test with the amaryllis uh you shouldn't have too much soil in that pot around it so um just stick your finger in the soil maybe about up to your first knuckle when it feels dry to the touch give it a little bit of water but don't do not water it so that the soil is completely saturated is the big key with that one for sure Oh, I, I have to tell you something that happened. There was a, our next door neighbor uh, one of, sent one of their kids over. <clears throat> this is about ten days, two weeks ago, with a, um, a poinsettia for us for Christmas. And he comes walking over and brings it in and rings the doorbell. And I set it, uh, you know, in our living room. And the next day, the leaves all drooped. And um, actually, today there's a couple leaves left on it, but um, the thing is, they they hadn't covered it. When yeah, we were talking about cold. these flowers yeah. earlier, yeah. there was no covering on it, and a couple minutes, even though it was just next door, was too much. Just, exactly, I just couldn't handle it. Very you good. can't. Our plants are very tender, so it's really important to keep that in mind. Yeah. Well, thanks so thanks. much for your call. Thanks, Sharon. Have a Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas to you both, and look forward to your program after Christmas. Thank you. And we got here Holly in Saskatoon. Good morning, Holly. Hi. Hello? Your, your question. Okay. Um, I have an ash tree in my backyard, and it got attacked by those little worms that were going through cycle a couple of years ago. Yep. Um, so half of the leaves came back, like the bottom half of the tree still produces every single year, and it's growing like a little bit, but the top half of the tree... Has nothing, so I'm wondering if I should prune it 
like just cut the top half of the tree off. Yeah, if there's been no growth there for a couple of years, you can trim that anytime, really. And okay. uh, and because and then you can get it to start filling out again by fertilizing every three weeks from basically Mother's Day until July the 15th. And okay. then just that way you've gotten lots of fertilizer there and a bigger tree like that, pour at least five gallons of water mixed with the fertilizer around the drip line of the tree, and then you'll okay. get lots more growth, okay? Okay. Okay, is there a better time to do that, or should I just, as soon as spring comes, soon, chop yeah. it off? It, it okay. cho- you can chop it off anytime. doesn't matter. If it's, okay. if it's dead awesome. wood, is, you'll find this dead wood, you can trim it off anytime. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Okay, bye. So lots of great questions here. Um, there is some gardening classes happening at the U of S. So go to gardening.usask.ca and there is so many great webinars. I love what, um, that we can access this all over no matter where we are from our homes via our computers. So there's a uh, two hour free web or not free, but, um, there is some free classes, but most of them are $20 and some of them on composting, on houseplants 101, um, rural design, uh, Thistles are friends, flowers are royalty. So there is just lists and lists and lists of all these different gardening classes that you can check out. So if you are into gardening or want to learn more about gardening, you have sat, the University of Saskatchewan has some great, great resources this winter season to sort of get us excited and get us educated about gardening. Okay, so that which about wraps our show. We have Sue on the line still from Eagle Lake. We're going to get you off the air, and we got a couple of email uh, text messages that we're going to answer after the show. But this has been a great time. You know what? Um, everybody have a Merry Christmas. We're going to be back here, Jill and I, on December 26th, so make sure that you have your cup of coffee or your hot chocolate ready and, uh, on, on December 26th. We'll take your calls here. And uh, But otherwise, have a Merry Christmas. Drive safe and enjoy the Christmas holidays. Merry Christmas, Merry everyone. Christmas. You're listening to Rick Van Dominick and Jill Van Dominick on Garden Talk on 650 CQM and 980 CJME.